You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Josh Silverberg. Hello, 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 hello to Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host... Joshua Silverberg on the board as always. The Mr. Speed, the Speedster, the tidy whitey man himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Finally, after three weeks of hard nose screaming we've got the counterparter back the guy that doesn't need any introduction the guy that looks like the adam sandler lookalike <laughs> he is not playing basketball and playing pickup games on the courts because if he was he would be a gingered old looking wannabe adam sandler how would i be ginger first off i don't even have red hair well you kind of look <laughs> like you do you're like a fake ginger we'll call you what f ginger <laughs> that defeats the whole synopsis maybe arrow thinks you look like a gingerbread cookie he does I wouldn't eat him, that's for sure. It doesn't look edible. We have Josh Silverberg back, my counterpartner. He has been missed, and somewhat. But all in all, I'm sure the fans are going to love the bickering and obviously the demolishing and the winning that's going to come from Debate Wars on my end. How was your sickness, my friend? Let's just say this. If you ever want to lose weight, go get the stomach flu. Don't even bother with Weight Watchers or fasting or working out. Just get sick for a week. What I would do is just look at your picture. That would make me sick. I would look at yours, but your schnozzle on your face. This schnoz is no. beautiful, okay? And women love it. <laughs> who right? to tell you that? What do you mean, who would tell me that? Every single woman. And if anybody out there wants to come and meet us, I'm sure you would like to take pictures with me other than the great and powerful Joshua Silverberg. I mean, no, there's a re- you have a face for radio, as they say. I do. I have a voice for radio, too. I'm just that great. I'm just kidding. I'm very happy that you're back. Appreciate it brings it, guys, a little bit more color to the show, even though Speedy did a great job working with me, as always. Did but... he say Jason Tatum was overrated? No. Me, but <laughs> thank God he's not doing no, that on Jason this show. Tatum was not brought up on the show. Oh, mm. hey, thank heavens. Mm. <laughs> thank heavens for little Josh. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you we will get into the new york islanders yes the second round best new york team the new york islanders they're making the run for lord stanley's cup barry trotz made a stupid move in this series that i'm going to obviously argue about as we move forward in the show uh we'll talk about the new york knicks getting knocked out by the atlanta hawks uh great season by the new york knicks but julius randall and rj barrett did not show up in that series, and that's why they're eliminating, and that's why they're playing golf or whatever the hell they're doing, maybe washing their own underwear. Who knows? Um, we will get into the New York Yankees and the New York Mets, one team playing very good baseball and the other team trying to figure out, and it's not the Mets trying to figure something out, it's the Yankees trying to figure out what their identity is uh, with uh, their bad hitting woes. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Obviously, we'll get into debate wars. Uh, Julio Jones uh, is on his way out from Atlanta. Where do we think he is heading, and why do we think he's heading there? And Aaron Rodgers, it's June now. Does he move on? 
uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Does he go to the Broncos? Could he go somewhere else? And yes, we'll get into the Jets and the Giants. Uh, obviously, non-mandatory OTAs going on right now with the the Giants and the Jets. And the stories coming out of New New York, with the New York Jets is uh, Zach Wilson is looking really, really good. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. And debate wars, and obviously crunch time as always. But first things first. Let's get into the New York Islanders in the NHL playoffs, which is, to me, the NHL playoffs is the best in all the professional sports. And the Islanders uh, obviously knock off the Pittsburgh Penguins in six. Uh, it wasn't because of Alamov, because Alamov got pulled after game number three. He came in after the overtime win, which Sorokin played because Alamov was hurt at the end of the season. Then Alamov came in, gave up two bad goals in the first period against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and had a great game, but still lost the game to nothing. And then obviously the game number three that really had the Islanders shaking, and they decided decided to go with the young goaltender in Sorokin. Sorokin wins three games in a row and takes the Islanders to the second round. I think Barry Trotz is the best coach right now in the NHL. He's been the best coach in the NHL for the last, I would say, nine years. Barry Trotz loves his veteran players. We saw this in Washington. We've seen this many, many times over the years. And he's been the New York Islanders head coach for the last three years. And uh, the Islanders over the years have been trying to find that goaltender that's going to lead him to the promised land. There was no Billy Smiths. And Rick Tipiacho was, been a, was a bust. Uh, they, they drafted how many first-round goaltenders that, obviously, Roberto Luongo, they traded him away. He goes to Florida and then Vancouver and goes to a Stanley Cup final. Didn't win one, but he, he, he's going to go down as one of the great goaltenders of this era. Uh, and he was an Islander pick. But... Uh, you you look at the Islanders in the last couple of years, they've been trying to find their future in, in, in behind the pipes. But a couple of years ago, the Islanders had an opportunity to draft Sorokin in the later rounds, and he became one of the top goaltenders in the KHL. In the last five years, as a youngster, he has been dominant in the KHL, which is the second best division in all of hockey around the country, and then the Swedish League and the NHL number one, obviously. Sorokin signs a contract, and, and the Islanders for years were trying to bring Sorokin to the K, from the KHL to the NHL, and he just didn't want to play for the Islanders because they were no good. Barry Trotz comes here, Lou Lamorello comes here, Lou somehow talked Sorokin to come to the NHL, and we saw this year, he's going to be up for Rookie of the Year. He's probably not going to win. He had 16 wins as a backup goaltender. He only had, I think, five or six losses this year. Was sensational throughout the season. I think he had three shutouts. He led all rookie goaltenders, and he only played a quarter of the season. Sorokin is the future of the New York Islanders. When Volamov got pulled against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he won that series, that was his job to lose. And then losing in the first game, yes, he gave up a couple of bad goals, and some of the goals banged off of one of his players' legs, and and and, and obviously the Boston Bruins in a power play goal that they, they gave up. Sorokin might have lost that game, but to me, deserved a second chance to try to redeem himself in the, in the second game. Barry Trotz decides to go with Volamov, maybe because he had a better record against Boston this year. A lot of people believe a Venzina Trophy candidate, and he was one of the best goalies in the NHL, but... This is a guy that, yes, played very well in the playoffs last year, took the Islanders to the Eastern Conference Championship, but couldn't get over the hump. And now you had a goaltender win three games in a row and take you to the second round. You decide to pull him to put Volamov in, and then you saw the other night him give up the game-winning goal in overtime from Marshan, and to me was one of the worst goals you can see in the playoffs, 
And to me, you have to go back to Sorokin, Josh. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see Sorokin in this series win, lose, or draw. I don't think you're going to see him anymore in the series because even though it was a terrible goal, he left a really bad early goal to Craig Smith. And that's been the biggest issue with Varlamov is I think he always lets up the softies. I don't think it was a softie the first goal he let up. It was just a bad play defensively and the puck was just standing there and it went over the shoulder. It was a nice shot. The second goal was a bad goal. He kept them in that game yesterday at times. He really did, especially in front of the net. But the Bruins have that perfection line out there. They're always lurking. They're going to shoot the puck nonstop. And that to me was something that was very surprising with Varlamov in an overtime because it really looked like he was not prepared for that shot. He didn't look like he was ready for the shot that Martian shot. And whenever one of those three, Martian, Bergeron, or Pasternak have the puck, you need to be ready for a shot because they'll shoot it from any point of the ice. That line is ridiculous, by the way. Absolutely ridiculous. The best line I've seen in the NHL in a very long time. In the last eight years, have you seen a line that dominant over the last couple of years? No, and the crazy thing is, is that you could even make the case that Boston goes three, four lines deep. I mean, the second line, you got Smith and you got Taylor Hall. Wait till Hall gets going. You got Jake DeBrusque on the third line, who's another talented player. They're deep. The Bruins have more skilled players on their team. If you look at the two teams side by side overall, the Bruins have the better team. The Islanders have the better defense, and I think they go toe-to-toe hitting-wise with the Bruins, and they have. It's interesting. You go back to Game 2, right? Boston dominated Game 2, and the Islanders stole Game 2. In Game 3, two days ago, the Islanders dominated Game 3, and the Bruins stole Game 3. They call that puck luck. Oh, please. I don't no, want to hear this said puck that in the past. garbage. No, I've always said that in the past. In series, in long series like this, when teams are hitting and grinding it out, you're going to get that kind of play. You're going to get that fluky play. And you saw... On the breakaway against Bovillier, Rask was not letting in another breakaway. Was not going to let that happen again after what happened with Zizekas. Tuka Rask isn't Jari from the Pittsburgh Bengals. We know oh, that. But the Islanders have the better goaltending in the series. The Vlamov and Sorokin are just as good or better than Tuka Rask. Now, Tuka Rask, in his career, he's been a very good, uh, reliable goaltender in the NHL One playoffs. One of the best boys in the game. Yeah, no question that he is. And uh, a couple of years ago, he was talking about retirement and leaving Boston and, and being done with Boston. But again, Tukarask is a big part of this series, and you saw that in, that, in, in, in game number two. He, I mean, game number three. He played fantastic, but so did Volamov. The problem with Volamov, and I'll say it again, he gives up really cruddy goals. And that goal in overtime cost the Islanders going up 2-1. They were playing better hockey in the third period and overtime, in the beginning of overtime, than, than the Boston Bruins. Boston was not playing well in the second half of the game. They weren't. They were playing, they were playing catch-up to the Islanders. I'm still trying to go back even to last year, the goal that Varlamov left up against Sorelli in game six of the conference finals. I, I st- That's now back-to-back games where I've seen the Islanders lose in the overtime, and I didn't even realize that the puck went in against Varlamov both times. The one against Sorelli in game six last year against Tampa, that won the series, and then this one with Martian. The only reason how I knew that Martian scored was I saw they had the overhead shot, of course, on uh, NBC. And I saw the Bruin fans celebrating at the Coliseum. And I said, oh, I didn't even notice it. I didn't even see it go in. If you're an Islander fan, if you you sit here and you're an Islander fan moving into game number four, it would really worry you when you have a young goaltender like Sorokin who was building confidence. This is the guy that you're going to put 
your organization, your franchise, everything on his shoulders moving forward. Valamov, this is, I think this is his final year on his contract. He will be gone next year. It's going to be all about Sorokin. And you decide to pull him out after winning the series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, winning that whole series, and then you pull him out after the first game. If I was Sorokin, let's say Valamov comes in uh, in game number four and wins, or he loses in game number four. What are you going to do? You're going to bring in Sorokin in game number five and depend on him to win out this series three games to one? Come on, guys. I, I, I think that you're, you're depending too much on a young goaltender. If you, if you really believe that you have a chance in this series, you play the best goalie available. And the best goalie in the in, in second half of the season was Sorokin. He was the best goalie. He is not the one that was injured really the last two or three weeks of the season. And I'm not taking shots at Volamov saying that he can't play. We saw what he did in the Eastern Conference, taking the New York Islanders last year to the Eastern Conference Championship. We all know without Volamov, they wouldn't have done that. But Volamov isn't Sorokin. Why did you bring this guy from the KHL? By the way, won the KHL Championship last year, and he was the reason why they won, and he was the MVP of the playoffs. Why would you bring him here if you're not going to believe in him after losing one game in the second round against the Boston Bruins. Does anybody believe that Sorokin would have given up that goal in overtime? The answer is no. I point back to last year when the Bounders were up three games to one against the Flyers and Varlamov had a really bad stretch of two games in a row. They benched him. They put Thomas Grice in and then they won the game. So then they go to him in game one against Tampa. Grice, he gets blown out. And then they go right back to Varlamov. I thought Grice earned another crack mm-hmm. at Game two last year because of how clutch you, he saved the series for the Islanders in that seventh game against Philadelphia. Think about a positive life if you're an Islander fan. Matthew Barzell got the goal yesterday. You hope that that gets him going. It took a couple of, of pokes to get the puck put in. Put players Rask, around him. It helped. You have Komarov? Are you kidding me? You put Jordan Eberle on that line? If Anders Lee is on that line, then I, I, it doesn't matter if Jordan Eberle is. Anders Lee is a sniper. He's a guy that can put the puck in the net, stand in front of the goal, and give him an opportunity to throw the puck in the net, uh, throw the puck at the net, and hopefully there's a deflection. Barry Trotz has not put anybody around this kid to be successful. Why did you go? He's a Plumerian. Uh, I, that's another thing. Why did you make Make a trade for Paul Mary. You I gave up a first round draft. Why he's, they put him with Pajot. They're putting him with Paul Mary. But the thing that was wacky was when you looked at the Marshan shot, the guy that I pinpoint as to letting Marshan take the shot was Pajot. Why was Pajot just standing there letting Marshan take that shot? It was a switch. He got on the ice and he just threw the puck at the net. And Pajot just stood there and watched it. Dude, check the guy. Where's Oliver Wallstrom? Oh, I, he's hurt. Uh, he's hurt? No. First of all, they pulled him out to put in Zajac. Zajac did not start in the first series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oliver Wallstrom did. Oliver well, Wallstrom. Been a good trade so far. He's not hurt. He's actually healthy. They're not playing him, and they need offense. If you only score one goal and you had a chance to win that game, a game that you were completely getting dominated again, they've been outshot by the Boston Bruins by almost between fifteen and twenty shots a game in this series, and they're still in the game. Maybe because of their defense. Maybe because of their goaltending. Now I'm not taking a shot at Volamov. Volamov played well, but as well as he played, that one bad goal cost the Islanders the game. So it doesn't matter how many saves. He could have had 50 saves, 60 saves. If he gives up a bad goal like that, it doesn't matter. You lose. You have an L on your record. Go look at Volamov's record right now in the playoffs. Sorokin has played in five games. He's 4-1 and one in the playoffs. Go look at Volamov's record. 
He's he lost, lost two games. He, he's won three, and he's lost three. So he's 3-3 three and three in the playoffs, and Sorokin is 4-1. and one. Who do you start if you look at the records? And by the way, goals against and save percentage. Sorokin right now in the playoffs, is his goals against in the playoffs is 2.31. His save percentage after the Pittsburgh series, I think it was like a 9.30. Altogether, it's probably like a 9.24. Why is Barry Trotz playing Valamba? I understand he trusts him. I understand what he did for the Islanders in last year's playoffs. He's a year older, and you have a young stud goaltender that you have been pushing to bring here to the NHL, and then you pull him because he loses one game, the first game of this round. And to me, it's a big mistake. And if the Islanders lose this series, which quite possibly could happen, I'm going to blame Barry Trotz because you have a young stud goaltender that has an opportunity to win series for you. Goaltending wins championships in the NHL. A hot goalie, which they had one, and they decide after one game, we're going to pull him. We're going we're gonna to play Volamov. It's a dumb move, Josh. An absolute dumb move. I agree with you. I think Sorokin should get another crack at it. I think he should start game four. Is he going to? I'd be very surprised if he does. Like you said, Volamov played good. He let in a bad goal. The first goal wasn't a bad goal that he gave up. The second one was. And you look at it this way, you know, just because Sorokin had one bad game, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go back to him. Just like last year with Grice. Grice should have continued to play after game one last year. It was just so unfair of him to do that to, to Thomas Grice last year, and it's unfair of him to do it to Sorokin this year. Grice isn't Sorokin. This kid is No, a he's star. not, but I'm just saying, though, Grice saved them that series. If, if Olama played game seven against Philly last year, they're blowing that three to one lead. I'm disgusted of what I've seen so far in this series, and uh, the Islanders need to f- friggin' wake up when it comes to goal scoring. They definitely need to figure out what they're doing offensively if they plan to win this series against the great, young Boston Bruins. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the NBA. And by the way, the New York Knicks are not playing basketball anymore. They're probably playing golf or ping pong or something else. When we come back, we're going to talk about the great season of what we've seen in the regular season of the New York Knicks and whatever we saw in the playoffs and what the Knicks need to do in the offseason to make this team a championship competitive team after the great Great season with the first year of coach Tom Thibodeau here on the Weekend Crunch. What? This isn't DMX, ladies and gentlemen. May rest in peace. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, little J himself, Joshua Silverberg. Miss Jimmy Crew. And on the board, as always, Speedy. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Remember, you can download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Please, guys. Go to our beautiful website. It is a wonderful website for you fans. We have the New York Minute Trivia Questions on our site. Compliments from Speedy Petey, who has really designed some, some of the best questions when it comes to sports. Go check it out by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can read all our stories, great stories. By the way, Josh, have you written a story in the last, I don't know, six years? <laughs> I think I wrote one two weeks ago. Oh, look at that. I got to check it out. I didn't read it. It's not me. It's that work you have to worry about. I know who it is. <laughs> I'm going to sucker and succotash him very I mean, soon. Between getting guests, 
Finding talent mm-hmm. and writing articles on top of a full-time job. I think I'm doing Uh-oh. pretty damn good. He's sticking up for himself now. Here we go. Well, Josh, if, if you encourage who I think you're ac- accusing of not writing articles to write an article. L-Y-L-E. He might, he might write one on why Barzal's overrated. Yeah. I don't want to read that. Okay, listen. <laughs> nope. A quick story. Here's how you can write the article. We are listening. You can send the article to me through an email document. Mm-hmm. Write it up on an email and send it to me. I'll copy and paste it on Word, and I will edit it for you. He said, okay, I'll definitely do that. We have to light something in between like, his cheeks. Dude, I'm doing the work for him. Yeah, I'm something needs to be done with that it in guy. For him. All he has to do is write up two paragraphs. Maybe we need to whip him. Whip him? I don't even want to touch him. Uh. Him? <laughs> well, he needs somebody to do it. Maybe we'll hook him up with your uh, sister-in-law or something. Oh, right. please. My... <laughs> she, she would, you know what she would do? She would she would turn him into a pretzel. He'd kick the crap out of him. He eats a lot of pretzels, that's for sure. Uh, let's Anyways. Go. Let's give her a break. She already has to deal with the beef. I don't think she wants to deal with Lyle. I don't even think she'd even say a word to the beef. <laughs> he was already talking about being your brother-in-law after meeting her for the first time. He didn't even meet her. Well, actually, he saw a picture. That's kind of scary if he's talking about being your brother-in-law after seeing a picture. Give me a break. Anyways, I want to get into the New York Knicks, and you watch the New York Knicks throughout the playoffs. You wonder what this team was in the regular season. Now, the Knicks had a fabulous season. You can't take shots at Rose or, or Wesley or Perry or Thibodeau, who I believe his coach of the year. Tom Thibodeau was sensational all season long, uh, preaching defense to this team, a team that was one of the worst defensive teams last year before he came to the he came to the New York Knicks and then transformed this team into the top five defensive team in the NBA. But not even that. Julius Randle became a star right in front of our eyes. He was the most improved player in the NBA. R.J. Barrett was blossoming as a second-year player after only scoring 13.5 points last year, scoring 17, almost averaging four or five more points from his uh, the year before. And seeing some of these players like Quigley turn into possibly a Rookie of the Year candidate. Obi Toppin started playing in the second half of the season. We see why the Knicks uh, loved him and why he was a big-time uh, draft pick for them. And then some of the other players, like Taj Gibson, who was an add-on, and Derrick Rose making that trade, who was sensational in the second half of the season for the New York Knicks all the way into the playoffs, who I believe was the Knicks' best playoff player. But not even that. What we saw throughout the season was heart. That's what the Knicks were playing on. They were hard-nosed, tough-nosed, and they played with heart. When they made it to the playoffs, when they got into the playoffs as the fourth seed, everything was thrown out the door. They didn't play with heart in that series against the Hawks. Trey Young was dissing them, playing with all emotion. And, and that was the problem in this series. They couldn't stop Trey Young in the paint, and they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him in the perimeter. And to me, the reason why they lost this series was they didn't play the team defense they played in the first half and the second half of the season. They quit on the defensive game, and then when they fell behind, they had guys like Julius Randle forcing shots around 17, 18-foot perimeter jump shots where he had no business shooting them when he had two or three people in front of him. And I believe Julius Randle's cold spell was the reason why the Knicks couldn't make the, the first round of the playoffs against the Hawks a challenging one and a fun one to watch. To me, the reason why the Knicks lost this series or didn't really give it much of a series, was the fact that the Knicks in this series got outcoached by Nate McMillan. He outcoached Tom Thibodeau. Now, do I think Nate McMillan is a better coach than Tom Thibodeau? No, I don't. I do believe the Hawks had a more talented team. They have more depth. 
And you could see that coming off that bench. They were a better three-point shooting team. And you saw that difference when Trey Young really got hot. Collins got hot. That, to me, was the big problem in this series. And by the way, losing Mitchell Robertson the way they did throughout this season from injury after injury, you saw that in the playoffs. You really did. Now, I don't know what Mitchell Robertson could do in the playoffs because he's never played in the playoffs, but he is by far their best big man. It's not even a question anymore. Taj Gibson, you've got to give him a lot of credit. The veteran player that he is, the captain-like skills that he has, in, 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 even at the end of the game with the press conferences, he, he sh- it shows you his leadership and why um, Tom Thibodeau loves him so much. And Derrick Rose, too. He's grown up as a player. He really has. He's been absolutely sensational for the New York Knicks ever since they made that trade with the Detroit Pistons. So they absolutely stole Derrick Rose from the Detroit Pistons. But to me, the quality of shooting throughout this series was absolutely horrendous. Julius Randle was averaging 28% in the playoffs, which is the worst ever by a New York Knicks player in a first round of the playoffs. Uh, R.J. Barrett, who you thought was playing, didn't play that well. R.J. Barrett's numbers weren't as bad as you thought they were. Average 14, average about 7 rebounds and 3 assists, uh, 38 around the perimeter, 38%. R.J. Barrett is a young player. This, he's going to learn as a second-year player, a 21-year-old, of what he did wrong and what he should have done better. And, and obviously, coming out and saying that he guarantees a win was a big mistake. You're not Mark Messier. You're not a superstar player yet. You should not be speaking because you threw the Knicks under the bus. And, and I'm telling you right now, if you don't think Nate McMillan put that on the board, you don't believe Trey Young heard what R.J. Barrett said, you're sadly mistaken. So, Josh, I look at the Knicks. I think there's a lot to look forward to next year. The $60 million that they're going to have that they can spend in free agency. Do they re-sign or extend Julius Randle for your $100 million? Or you heard that they reached out to the Portland Trailblazers after they got eliminated for a guy like Dame Time. Damian Lillard, who a lot of people believe wants to come to a big city, wants to come to a place where he can move forward with his rapping career. What are your thoughts? to what the New York Knicks did in the playoffs and what should they do in the offseason? Well, what they did in the playoffs was they got punched in the mouth. I love doing that to you, by the way. Punching you in the mouth and his stomach, Mr. Flukat. It was a learning experience, right? That's how we look at it. They're a young team. It was almost like Julius Randle's play in the NBA uh, this season, went to the playoffs, and it was on the side of a milk carton. It was MIA. And not even that. Honestly, they were fun to watch. They were so boring to watch in this playoff. You brought Trey Young, destroyed the Knicks. Dude, Clint Capella decimated the Knicks, especially on the inside. It wasn't even close. Watching Clint Capella play in that series was like watching when the Knicks played the, the Pacers a couple years ago and Roy Hibbert dominating the same The way. Knicks have a stilt as their center. Nerlens Noel, he had a great season, one of the best offensive rebounders in he the was, league. Then he hurt his ankle in the yeah, series. Yeah, uh, excuse. Once you get into the playoffs, oh, no, he season, was gone, dude. He's uh, Nerlens Noel is a stilt. That's what he is. He's just a long man who, in the playoffs, everything that he did in the regular season is completely different in the playoffs. You see uh, games completely taken to another level. You saw Trey Young take, take his game to another level. We've seen it over the years with LeBron James, Dame Lillard. We've seen these guys, stars, take it to the next level. I'm not saying New Orleans Noel is a star, but you're the best offensive rebounder in the league. How do you let Clinton Capella actually out-rebound you on the offensive board? He's the answer quadruple is, the size of him. He's quadruple the weight of him. Him. Mm. That's why. And the fact that he talked the trash before the game five, he said, listen, we're going to send them home and that's it. And the Knicks didn't even respond to that. 
just shows that they didn't have any heart in the series. Their perimeter defense was atrocious. Though. Was just, how many wide open shots did the Atlanta Hawks have in this whole series? It was ridiculous. They couldn't block the perimeter at all. Speedy and I had a side conversation when Speedy said the Knicks have more depth than the Hawks. I said the Knicks will win the series, but I think the Hawks have more depth. And you said, no, they don't. And I said, nope, they are such a good, underrated young team. You know how many stupid Bradley things you've said over John the last couple Collins, of months? Trey Young, Give me a Clint break. Capella, Bogdanovich is another one. I mean, it was insane how good that these guys were. And they couldn't miss. They could not miss shots, man. Like, you saw wide-open shots for the Hawks. Every time the Hawks had a wide-open shot, I knew it was going in every time. When the Knicks had a wide-open shot, I had no confidence in this team at this point. They got away from their game. As far as the offseason goes, listen, I'm going to be extremely biased. Damian Lillard's my favorite player in the NBA. So if the Knicks want Damian Lillard, I'm all for it. Let's bring him in. I'm good with Dame time. I'm ready to call it. What do you have to give up for him? That's going to be the question. That's going to be the question, right? So the Knicks have two first-rounders this year. You're going to give up both your first rounds this year. You have one first round next year, and then you have two more after next year. They're not going to give up all four. I'd say they have to give up two or three first rounders. Quickly, Barrett or Toppin. It's to be a combo. It's, what is it going to take to get Dave Dash? It's going to be between Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Obi Toppin. And you have to decide which two of those four you're going to trade, along with the two first round picks. And then you're going to have to do swaps of picks. Like, if one pick is better than the other pick, then you have to swap the picks. That's the thing with the NBA trades. They get so complicated. It's also you can't do it in back-to-back years. Either. So the all the first-round picks have to be even number of years if, if you're trading this year. Yep, three years in a row. You're not allowed to do it. I don't think Emmanuel Quickly is going to be here next year. That's and, a shame. And, and I, quite frankly, I could see either Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett not being here next year. They got to keep Mitchell Robinson. You see the difference. Mitchell Robinson plays in this series against Clinton Capella. I don't think Clinton Capella would have had the series that he had. I, I think... Mitchell Robinson's big, he's strong, he's long, he's got weight behind him, mu- very muscular. I think he would have given Clinton Capella a lot of problems in the paint. And I agree with you on that, 100%. And the thing of it, too, is this. I watched the lakers Sun series, and I would have said, okay, if you want to trade Mitchell Robinson, fine. But then you could sign Andre Drummond. And then I saw Andre Drummond play in this series for the Lakers. And he, was he was garbage. And he was awful. And he's so overrated. It's ridiculous. Dude, LeBron didn't even want him starting. LeBron just wanted Marcus who had a foot out the door to go play in the Spanish League. He's also been a notoriously good playoff player, Gasol, though. To start him over Andre Drummond just shows how little value that they had and faith in Andre Drummond even playing on this team. How about the Brooklyn Nets? Wipe I mean, the floor with the Celtics. And by the way, because of uh, them wiping the floor with the Celtics, Danny Ainge steps down. Brad Stevens moves in as the GM of the organization. They're looking for a new coach. They're talking about Becky Hammond possibly being the favorite to taking over that job. The first woman head coach in the NBA, which I think it would be great. Greg Popovich speaks very highly of her. He says that she's one of the best coaches he's ever actually coached. She's one of his top assistants. Yes. So on the she, she is his top assistant. Tim Duncan stepped down, so she is the top assistant. And she would take over if he got thrown out of the game. Becky Hammond is a person that they've been talking about uh, as possibly winning the job. Also, I'm hearing Mark Jackson. Jason Kidd was the other one that I heard. They say Kidd is the favorite for Portland. Mm. Because I think what they want to do in Portland is Just try to keep Damon try Lillard. To keep Lillard happy. Yeah, but I, I think Lillard's on his way out. I think, so do I. I think he's already pretty much said that he wants to go to a big city and he wants to try to win in a big city. Why not come to the Eastern Conference where it's a little bit easier than the West? You couldn't you couldn't get over the hump in the Western Conference. You got to play LeBron. You got to play Chris Paul. You got all these things. And, I, and hearing what Chris Paul said uh, after the, the after the Suns and Lakers series, and he's still in the playoffs. He is declining the option. I told you guys. 
what he was going to – I don't care how much money he's making, 44, 45. Uh, I believe that Chris Paul wants to come to the Eastern Conference, and if there's any team, any team that he would come to, it's the New York Knicks. He's always wanted to be a Nick. And now that Rose is there, uh, his, his former agent and Wesley and Thibodeau, I believe he thinks he has the best chance to win over there. But before we go to break, I think what the Brooklyn Nets did is show you – why they're so dangerous in the playoffs. Now, they played a very weak, very hurt Boston Celtic team. But you saw what Kyrie Irving could do. You see what Kevin Durant could do. James Harden, yeah, he gave you a, a little points here, a little points there. James Harden doesn't have to be good. All he has to do is give you 18, 19 points and help you out in certain areas of the game and aspects of the game. You're going to win a championship. And now that the Lakers were eliminated, besides the Bucks that they're going to have to play in this round, there's nobody in the Western Conference, as far as I'm concerned, that scares me that where if the Brooklyn Nets are playing on all cylinders, I don't know who's going to beat him now. I thought the Lakers, because I think with their bench and with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, the two top three players in the league, I would have thought they would have gave him all they can ask for. But Anthony Davis, not 100% healthy. LeBron James, not really 100% healthy. And now the Lakers are out after the Suns. I don't know who's going to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Really quick, I, I want to throw the Los Angeles Lakers doctors under the bus. Whoever cleared Anthony Davis to play yesterday is stupid and should lose their job. It was all about the players. And you could have done some serious, severe damage to the guy. I wonder if and Ray- because they were pressured to win. It's stupid. I wonder if Ray Ramirez joined the Lakers. Uh, I mean, that staff. was so. I watched that happiness and I go, idiots. That, whoever told him that cleared him to play, you're a moron. And Frank Vogel should be fired too for letting that happen. Well, Frank Vogel's not going to be there much longer. Everybody he knows be. that. That was hits a fireball offense. He could have ended the guy's season next year. Here's what the Lakers should do: they should fire Frank Vogel eventually in the next I couple of months. It. We'll probably hear Tyrone Lue get fired because the Clippers are going to get eliminated <laughs> oh, in the first round. Jobs. Both in the same stadium, Staples Center. Since LeBron James loves Tyrone Lue and he's won a championship there, why oh, don't you just God. add Tyrone Lue over there? It's absolutely horrendous. And by the way, stop comparing LeBron James to Michael Jordan. I think in 85 or 86, he lost in the first round. He was a rookie. I'm not going to compare and contrast a player when he was a rookie. He was a young player. I'm talking about when he was at the top of his game. He never really went to the playoffs with the Wizards because he got hurt with his meniscus. But Michael Jordan has never lost in the prime of his career in the first round. LeBron James did. So never compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan again. We've proven in statistics. We've proven it in analytics. We've proven it in everything. LeBron James is one of the greats. I think he's the second greatest basketball player to ever play the game. He's not Michael Jordan, nor will he ever be. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some baseball. Your New York Mets, yes, Mr. Homer over there, Joshua, Little J, Silverberg. He's so excited about his Mets. They are in the worst division in baseball. but I haven't been this excited in years. They're playing good baseball. Jacob DeGrom is having an unbelievable season. Why am I not surprised? Again, probably going to win another Cy Young. But the Mets are playing great baseball, and they're getting timely hitting by backup players, crazy as it may seem. And by the way, the Yankees are not playing good baseball, but still not out of it. They're a game and a half out of a wild card spot. I'm not worrying about the Yankees. They're only in a a quarter in this season right now, and I still think the Yankees are going to make the moves, the proper moves that's going to put them back on top. When we come back, we'll get into some baseball conversation here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Little J, Joshua Silverberg, and on the board, DJ Speedy. 
Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9 the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 Mr. Joshua Silverberg, your New York Mets are playing potentially the best baseball we've seen them play in almost five years, and not with their superstar players. They're playing with backups, guys that you probably wouldn't even play on a scrap heat of a AAA team. It's unbelievable what they're doing. So, Josh, what are your thoughts, Mr. Homer, on your New York Mets? Forget being a homer. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy him a cake? I mean, you're talking about Mason Williams, who was a who? top the prospect for the Yankees, and Billy McKinney, who came from the Brewers. Billy McKinney, since he came over to the Mets, has already five home runs. But you know what, though? Isn't that the nice thing when you actually have a GM and an owner when they're willing to spend money? They can actually get real players that have depth, not just these crappy AAA crappy garbage and overpaying guys like francisco lindor who's batting what 205 210 uh, 341 million time get your head out of 341 million give me a break i mean seriously so you know what let's just open a pocket let's go let's trade for chris bryant and pay him another 300 million dollars yes i love it how about rizzo let's bring rizzo let's make our anthony rizzo anthony rizzo for i already got i got two first bases one of them has to play in left field why not (laughs) we got all the money in the world we got uncle stevie let's buy him too let's buy max scherzer let's buy everybody yeah i like it let's Uh, go let's go let's go for it what do you think speedy what do you think max scherzer i think you're on drugs that's what i think well max scherzer would involve a trade so that's gonna be a little harder See, you know what the funny thing is, though? If I said to Speedy the Mets trade for Max Scherzer, do you think that that would make the Mets better? And Speedy would probably say, no, like Julio Jones will make the Seahawks better. Oh, could you stop with him? <laughs> could you stop with this? We'll get into the Julio Jones saga with Speedy <laughs> Petey very soon. No, but in all seriousness, dude, for years and years and years, and Speedy in all seriousness can attest to this. As a Mets fan, we saw that when the Mets get hurt, they would bring up these crappy, ridiculous 220 AAA hitters. That guys were literally hitting 200 in AAA. That didn't even belong in AAA. It's nice that they're actually getting production from some of these guys. The Yankees for a year perfected that. Guys go down. Yankees bring in random guys. And the guys become really good players. There's like three players that the Mets have that were Yankees. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Maven, you know, Mason Williams. Obviously, Lindor's contract right now looks awful. It's but awful. at least he's hitting now. And James yeah, McCann wonderful. is finally hitting. James McCann is hitting. I told you he was. And even Nito, too, is hitting. And Dominic Smith is starting to hit. And Alonzo is starting to hit. Their regular everyday guys are starting to hit now. And that's a key part of it. But Taiwan Walker has been ridiculous this year. It's Your a, lover? They got him for nothing. There we go. They literally got him for nothing. Nobody even wanted to sign him. But I think the bigger part is their bullpen. Is they have a bullpen now that they can rely on. They spent enough money on it. And I'm not the biggest fan of Luis Rojas. But I got to give him credit where credit is due. He's keeping the team afloat. But... He's turning his bullpen arms. If you notice, he's turning them into multi-inning guys now. The Castros, the Lugos, the Familias. He's making them become what baseball is becoming today, which is now two-inning bullpen arms to shorten the games for your starters. That is something that notoriously the Mets managers never did. Ever, ever, ever did. Mickey Calloway was the king. Of By the, the way, how's Mickey doing right now? <laughs> well, 
oh, he's a pervert, but that's besides <laughs> the point. I got to give credit to Jeremy Hefner. Jeremy Hefner has done a great job as a pitching coach for this team. I had some doubts when they hired him. I, mean, I miss Chili. <laughs> you miss Chili? I, I don't miss Chili. <laughs> I don't miss I think Chili was actually in all seriousness. I think Chili Davis was a huge problem. And if you look at the trend of Chili Davis's career as a hitting coach when he was with the Cubs, when he was with the Red Sox, and now when he was with the Mets, when he got fired, those teams hit better when he left. So it's kind of a bad trend on Chili Davis's part because the problem with Davis is he didn't believe in the analytical part of the game today. He was very old-fashioned, old-school. The Mets never spent money on analytics, right? They, the Wilpons mocked it for years. They said, it's what's the point? They, dude, they had two guys in their They don't want to spend money. That's, what, that's the problem. They had two guys in their analytical department, too. Exactly. The they didn't want to spend the money. Then why do you hire Jeremy Hefner, who is a full-blown analytical pitching coach? Why do you hire him if you don't have analytics in your department? Nobody said the Will Ponds were smart. But that, 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 see, that, but that's the thing, though. It was a stupid hire if you didn't have the analytical features to make your pitching coach successful. Sandy Alderson preached analytics. He, he was the, the roots of the money ball, and all of a sudden, like, nobody He's else He's all did. about analytics. Right. And that's the thing. The Will Ponds would never, ever, ever let him bring in his guys in the analytics department. They always said, you need to do it this way. And that's why we would see signings like a Chris Young who had one good year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they said, oh, the trend is going to go up. We're going to bank on that. (laughs) The Mets now have, I believe, the second or third largest analytical department in baseball behind the Dodgers now. They went from last to second. Yeah, I think it's the Dodgers and the Astros one and so on. But they're there, though. They're using analytics and they're getting with the games and the time today. Is it the right thing? I hate analytics. I'm old school with it. I can't stand it. I think it's too annoying. It's too much mathematician stuff. It's just guys behind computers. You know what I see the Mets doing that they haven't done year in and year out? It has nothing to do with analytics. It doesn't have anything. Yeah, they're winning. What they're doing right now is they're not thinking. They're just playing the game. And that's what winning does. It it completely changes the outlook of what your team is and what your team is all about. And I think the Mets, you see it with Pete Alonso, the leadership over there. Francisco Lindor, he hasn't been a good offensive player this year, but he's been a very good defensive player. He's really solidified their infield, which has been a big weakness since Jose Reyes. They're the best fielding percentage in baseball. They were the worst the last three years. Since Jose Reyes has been gone. So the Mets are playing decent baseball, and they're playing having fun. And that, to me, is a huge difference from this team and this organization for what we've seen in the last seven, eight years. Why were the Yankees so successful all those years? Yes, they had talent, but they played as a team. They played having fun. You had guys like Nick Swisher in the locker room playing loud music, dancing around, being stupid. Even Alex Rodriguez, completely different personality. You need personalities in your locker room that's going to change the outlook. Yes, I... Yeah, they have it with Lindor and Alonzo and Stroman and McCann, the guys that could lead by example. It's I think that's swappy. the reason why the Mets are playing good baseball. And their division is just absolutely horrendous. The Braves are not 100% healthy. They lost their two best starters for probably the season. They lost Ozuna. They're losing all these players now. So I think... Well, Ozuna did to himself. Yeah, well, it's fine. And Cunha is, hasn't been healthy since the beginning of the season, who I think was my MVP candidate in the National League. Still a 17 home runs. Yeah, but... Nevertheless, I think that the Braves are a team that's 
just fighting injuries all season long. And the Nationals are not the same team as they were when they won a championship a couple of years ago as Charlie Slows. And then the Marlins, who I think is an up-and-coming team. Derek Jeter, say whatever you want about Derek Jeter. He traded away all his top-end talent. And he built around the draft and built around his farm system. Look at what this team is doing right now and, and the rebuilding process. This team could be a championship competitive team in the next couple of years. Where so are the you, Phillies in your eyes? Uh, the Phillies are the Phillies. I don't know what to say with them. Uh, unfortunately, Joe Girardi's probably going to be fired at the end of the year. Bryce Harper can't stay on the field. The injuries, the injuries that they've had. So I, I just think there's a lot of they're things. They're a mess, dude. They're a mess. And they're so happy with their contracts. Riamutos, Harpers, Wheelers. And those guys are performing. But then you look at a guy like Aaron Nola, who they gave a huge extension to, and he has not performed since the extension. And it's kind of crazy because I do think Nola has talent. The thing of it is, is that once he got this extension, I don't know what happened to him. He's, he has near a four ERA. He needs to go to another team. I don't know I who's think... going to take on that contract, though, man. Uh, it's not a big contract. It's not but a ridiculous best, contract. And you trust him. What did they give him, $60 million? That's not a big contract. And Nola could be a Cy Young candidate. We've seen him. He be... was. He was two years ago. Yeah, so he, he still ha- he's still young. He's fairly young. I think if he goes to a team that can work, like go, if he goes to Cleveland, he'll be, become an all-star pitcher again. We've seen what Cleveland has done with pitchers. There are many different teams that could take him on and transform him again. But... I just think that you look at the big picture of what that division is and where they are, it's all for the Mets. The Mets are the best team in that division, hands down. When healthy, when they get healthy in the, as far as their pitching staff's concerned, they're one of the top three, top two pitching staffs in baseball. They have Jacob deGrom that, that hasn't pitched a one earned run in, in, in like five games. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think, what he's only, I think the most he's going up, I think, is two earned runs in a game this year, I think. That's I mean, the most it's, he's going up in a start. It's incredible. It, it's fantastic. What we're Dominance. Watching, and this is not even me being a homer i'm being dead serious dominance we, we need to appreciate and it was interesting because they asked keith hernandez a few weeks ago on the sl oh Brooklyn, god i don't want to hear played, it from him. he keith played hernandez. with dwight gooden and dwight gooden was unbelievable with the mets and i and i asked my father the same thing my my dad got to see dwight gooden dwight gooden couldn't wash jacob the exactly ass, okay exactly my dad saw both of those guys pitch and my dad said dwight gooden was good he said Jacob DeGrom is special. No, he's he is. Really well, special. your father is also a Mets fan. He loved Dwight Gooden, my dad. I, I think the two. I don't think anybody would ever top Dwight Gooden on the Mets. I think the two best pitchers in baseball are Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom, but it's 1A and. 1B, and I mean a long 1B. And I'm not taking... DeGrom started late. Yeah, well, because he was a shortstop. So. That's what it is. But And, and the crazy thing is, everybody said the only way he's going to make the Hall of Fame is if he went on this He's uh, He's already in the Hall of Fame. It. He's already in the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. And he had to go on this trajectory of making it to get to the Hall of Fame because he started so late. He's fantastic. He's going to pitch he's 40. On the other side of the pond in the Hudson, it's the New York Yankees. There you go. I like that. And what bothers me about the Yankees right now is injuries, and they're not hitting the lineup in the middle of the lineup where they spent a lot of money. John Stan, who come, he came back, just recently came back from injury. He needs to figure things out again. Gleyber Torres is throwing his bat in the dugout. He's getting thrown out of games because he's out of his mind, uh, who I, I still think is a superstar. The Yankees are just not hitting in the clutch, and this has been a problem for the Yankees. Year in and year out. DJ LeMayo, who's probably been their best pitcher the last two years, is barely hitting close to 300. He's been their best hitter and most reliable hitter. You have so many guys like that have really not stepped forward and stepped up. Frazier, who got a starting job this year, he's not the player that they thought he was going to be. I know it's still early, but he's still not the player that he thought he was going to be. You have Brett Gardner you brought back. He's not 100% healthy. He's an old player. Aaron Judge, they're moving to center field. They're moving to right field. They're moving to left field. They don't know where he's going to play or what he 
needs to play to make them a successful team. And Aaron Hicks is out for the season. And they lost Luke Voigt. They don't know who their first baseman is. They don't know who their third baseman is. They don't know who their center fielder is. Their bullpen is as good as what Chapman has been. It's been bad. They don't know when Zach Britton's coming back. They don't know when O'Day is coming back. This team is just all over the place. And by the way, if they don't go to the World Series this year, I think Aaron Boone's going to be fired. As good as Aaron Boone has been as a manager for the New York Yankees, with the talent that he has in three years, they should be fighting for a World Series championship, and they just can't get over the hump. Now, I don't know if it has anything to do with managing or just bad luck. I just think that right now... The Yankees need another voice in that that locker room. They need another voice in that dugout. And I don't know if it's Aaron Boone. And Brian Cashman, all these Yankee fans saying, get rid of Brian Cashman. What are you, on drugs? This guy is the only reason why the Yankees have been standing tall year in and year out. They've had a winning record in, for 30 years. Tell me a team in professional sports in 30 years straight has a winning record. The answer is none. No team in professional sports history has had a winning record for 30 years straight. So that tells you how important and how great Brian Cashman has been as a GM. Now, if he gets fired, you know how many teams are going to line up for Brian Cashman? He'll have a job in a minute, a second, once he gets fired. I don't think the Yankees are going anywhere with Brian Cashman. The question is, what do they do moving forward this season? Do they go after another relief pitcher? Do they go after a hater? They've been talking for years to go after Hater. Do they go after a power bat, which they don't need, but another bat that can help them in their lineup hits for average? Do they go after a center fielder? Do they go after a starting pitcher like Jose Barros? Savarino will be back in a couple of months. What do they do? Because they're, I think, two games out of a wild card spot. I think it's early. The Yankees will get a wild card because I think the American League, besides their division, which is the hardest division in baseball, the American League is weak. And I I just don't trust any of those teams like the Chicago White Sox or the Cleveland Indians or even the Houston Astros after all the players that they lost in the offseason. I don't know if any of these teams are going to be able to compete week in and week out for a whole 162-game season, Josh. To me, it's two two guys that need to start hitting. I know you mentioned Gleyber Torres, but another guy he needs to really – he's struggling right now. It's DJ LeMahieu. And we've seen it for years and years how important DJ LeMahieu is to this lineup because what he adds is a different element that the Yankees just don't have in that lineup, which is they have a lot of power, right? We talked about Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, Torres, Frazier, Voight. The, the, really the one guy you could think of in that lineup that really is a contact first hitter over a power hitter that can hit to all fields is DJ LeMahieu. And with him struggling and – Obviously, with Torres struggling, they need to figure themselves. They're still everybody's struggling, and the starting pitching. Ah, uh, they're still gonna... a top five in ERA and they are, But they thought they were going to get something from Tyone. It hasn't worked. Kluber got hurt at a bad time because he was starting to turn it around. It was bad timing for Kluber to get hurt because he really was starting to put it all together and look like Corey Kluber, not of old, but sort of minuscule semblance, I guess you could say, of what he once was. It's tough with the Yankees, D man. They they, they need a guy that I don't think they need another power bat. They need a guy that's going to hit for straight contact. How many know? contact hitters that are available? And Anthony uh, Rizzo? They, I, they got, I mean, I don't know. They got to get creative. Go call Minnesota. Go see what they want, what they would give up. Go call the Reds. You don't think like a Nick Castellanos would be a nice play for the Yankees? Castellanos would be a nice player for the Yankees, I think. A power bat. An outfielder power bat. You could say he's a power bat, but he's hitting somewhat for average. I think he's more of a power bat. I don't think the Yankees need him. I love Jesse Winker, but I don't think the Reds are going to trade him. He's one of their core pieces. That would be a really good fit. Lefty hitter, 
in that short porch in right field. That's another thing the Yankees need. Remember, remember the name Trevor Story because uh, that's been the the story in the last couple of days. <laughs> nah, no nice. pun intended. Hi, 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 hi. Uh, it's, <laughs> it has been, and I think Trevor is a guy that the Yankees are gunning for. If you've noticed of the last couple of years. How many players have come from the Colorado organization? The Yankees are very close with the Colorado Rockies, and I wouldn't be surprised if you hear that story name come out in the next couple of weeks and maybe be traded to the New York Yankees. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get into some football. OTAs, yes, not mandatory, but the OTAs have started for football for the Jets and the Giants. The Jets press And I'm talking about all these different people that have gone to these practices. They're talking very highly of what they've seen with Zach Wilson and how uh, the Jets are very excited on what they've seen so far with him, Elijah Moore, and some of their young, talented players they drafted in this year's draft. When we come back, we'll get into some Jets, Giants. Julio Jones might be on his way out in the next 24 hours. Where do we think he's going? And Aaron Rodgers dangling around. Does he go to the Broncos? When we come back here on a Weekend Crunch, me and Josh will argue our points to that. What? What? Meow. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, after the Islander game, you get to listen to us. Me, the Big E, the Little J, and the Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. And check out our beautiful website. Go to the website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our stories. Go play our trivia games. And go look at the ugliness of the Joshua. I'm just kidding. Josh is not bad looking. I have to ask his wife on that one. I'm not interested. <laughs> you're questioning it a lot. I think that could be a real part. I don't know, man. No, that's not going to happen, buddy. And I don't know what your <laughs> dreams and admirations are, but it's not going to be with me, buddy. Anyways, I want to get into some football conversation and the New York Jets. I do believe the Jets got it right. I went and I talked about the quarterback class and I slowly but surely put Zach Wilson as my top quarterback in this class because of his, of his progressions and, and, and watching film, what I've been reading and what I've been hearing from the press is Zach Wilson is the real deal. Now, I know Eric Martini, or you, Mr. Zach Lover, a lot of people have loved what they've seen so far, what this kid did with BYU. I question still what he could do in a big game and what he can do against top talent, but the accuracy is there. His progressions are there. The way he throws the ball with authority, his release point, his fast release, which will be the fastest release in the NFL. A lot of things are very exciting to hear about what this kid is all about. And his film studying ability, the coaches are saying that most quarterbacks will sit and watch film for three hours. He'll watch it for five or six hours. So I love what I hear about Zach Wilson. He's got a great family. He's got a beautiful girlfriend. There's no question about that. He goes and he supports all the New York teams. He was there at the Nick game. He was at the Islander game. You saw Robert Sala the other day at the Islander game. So I love the support of New York teams from this team. And I love what Robert Sala really brings to the table. What is it they're saying now? It's all all gas, gas, no no brakes. That's become a saying for the New York Jets and maybe for the whole season. So I love Robert Sala. I love his personality. I love his stature. I love everything about him. And Joe Douglas, look at his draft. 
Look at what they're saying about Elijah Moore. They're saying that the kid, uh, Michael Carter the second, the corner that they got in the fifth round, they're saying that he could start in the slot. That's how good he looks. He's playing with the first teams right now. My friend Eric was telling me they drafted a kid in the sixth round who was a third-round talent from Florida State. He was a safety. They're moving him to linebacker. He's very fast, and he looks really, really good on the practice field. Michael Carter, the running back. So what is there not to like about this team so far? Very, very exciting, Josh. You have to feel excited, don't you? It's been a long time. Every I year we're excited, and we're just not excited for the right reasons. We tried to get excited, then they brought in Adam Gase. That was the end of that excitement. No. The excitement is that you're seeing cuckoo eyes. Cuckoo, cuckoo, and that's all. Yeah, I pretty remember. much. Between him and Dowell Logan, it's like watching two birds that are trying to make something out of nothing. It was garbage. Are you talking about birds mating? You can't rule it out with Adam Gase, though. If they were to mate, they would have no football skills. You remember birds, they lay eggs. They don't mate. They can mate. They just eggs afterwards. Hmm. I'm just trying to help. This is not natural discovery. You're an unnatural discovery, that's for sure. If I'm a natural discovery, you're an extinct discovery that we want to get rid of. Well, then you can call me a dinosaur all you want. I'm more of a velociraptor. You're more like a little weenie, a little worm. I guess there might have been worms at that time, but I could hide in the dirt. It's all good. Mm. So anyway, the point of it is this. If you're hearing good things about Zach Wilson, that's the plus, right? I know the last couple of days they've said it's been a little bit of a rough practice for him at times because the defense has been so stout and really good, which is a good sign. It's just that not everybody is there. Like Jamison Crowder has not shown up because he's restructuring his contract. But Kai Beckton is the interesting one. He was there early on, and then he left. I don't know what happened. It's not uh, mandatory. He's taking care of stuff because that's uh, what I'm guessing. In too. about a week, it's mandatory OTA, so he's yeah, going to have to be there. And Marcus May hasn't been there. Obviously, he's doing his contract stuff, and they're hoping to get something done. He'll be fine. I mean, the, the Pro Football Focus safeties came out. Marcus May was seventh. Jamal Adams was tenth in safeties. So I'm not surprised. Well, where does that tell you where the safeties lie? Well, tells um, you he's not worth well, ninety million dollars. If you're the New York Jeff and you're a fan. I don't think you're asking for too much. You want to see improvement. But I think this team can show improvement. And I think now they have the right coaches in place. But I've now taken the approach of I'm not going to say this guy looks good, this guy looks good. You take approach? Nah. What'd you say? I said you take an approach? Nah, not possible. That's right. I do. You know what that approach is? I'm going to wait and see because I'm Never fear. Homer man is here. Right. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you something. When the Jets win two or three games, we're going to hear Errol say they're winning the division. <laughs> I never say that. I never say that. Anybody that listens to me on any of the shows know that I am not a homer to the Jets. First off, I hated, absolutely hated the Mets. For years. Are we going to the Mets or are we talking about the Jets? The New York oh, Jets yeah. will have improvement. They have obviously shown improvement on their roster. There's no reason why they can't win more than, what, two games? That's not really asking for that much. And their schedule could show it. I say right now, what is it? They have the 17 games, 7 and 10, 8 and 9. It's very fair. They're about a 500 team. They're about a year away from being a team that can compete for a playoff spot. I think next year with the draft stock that they have, they have two firsts, two seconds. I think they have one third, two fourths, a fifth and a a sixth. They have a lot of draft picks next year, a lot of draft stock. They're not going to draft with all those picks. They have a tremendous amount of cap space next year. It's second in the league. This is exactly what Joe Douglas does. He sets it up this way. Yep. I think what, what what we've seen with some of the young players, Tucker looks good, uh, Elijah Moore looks good, and the players that we mentioned, they're very exciting. If you see development throughout the season for Zach Wilson, you're going to see what this kid could possibly be in the future for this Jet team. So it's very exciting, especially the coaching. As far as the Giants are concerned, they have looked very, very good in practice too. I've heard a lot of stories uh, from some of the players saying that Judge, being that he's, it's his second year as a head coach, has been the born leader that 
a lot of people thought he was going to be, coming all the way from the Patriots, where it really was an add-on guy. that Nobody thought that he was going to get the job until some of the coaches that they were interested in went other places. But Judge has been a surprise. Daniel Jones, I heard, looks really good in practice for his third year, his third season as a starting quarterback for the New York Giants. So that's good to hear for the Giants. And also some of the young players. Lawrence has looked very, very good. During practice, they said he's bigger, he's stronger this year. He's going to be more of a three-down type of defensive lineman. How's Cooney looking so far? I haven't heard anything really fully about him. The players that I've heard, people are very excited about. Sterling Shepard's look good so far, looks healthy, looks very good, very fast. He's caught almost everything. Saquon Barkley has been running drills. He looks good, he looks healthy. Daniel Jones, if they're raving about right now. All in all, they've looked really, really good. The question's going to be, what are the Giants this year? Are they going to be a partial playoff team? I do believe the way their schedule is formed and, and how easy their division is, much easier division to win than the Jets division. So I think the Giants have a very good chance to win 10 games this year. And if Daniel Jones is anywhere close to what they're saying about him this offseason and he's taking two steps forward and not dropping the ball or tripping on his own feet, there might be something to have excitement here in New York for New York football, especially for the Giant fans. Speedy, what are your thoughts on the Giants? You're hearing all these good things that Errol's saying. From what I heard with Daniel Jones, him and Kenny Galladay have good chemistry so far, especially on tougher routes, which that was one of my concerns with Galladay. He wasn't a great route runner, but he's doing well in that aspect of it. Saquon Barkley's looked good so far. We'll see on the money. He should be good. We'll see on the defense. Like Errol was saying, Dexter Lawrence, I think, should be able to develop into more of a pass rushing type because even for his size, they're saying he's going to be a three down player. Even for his size, he was a very good pass rusher his rookie year, and he was a good pass rusher his last year. Fantastic draft pick for. Gettleman. I think he was the best draft pick in that draft. Did you say fantastic draft pick for David Gettleman in the same sentence? That's David Gettleman, yeah. It was a good <laughs> draft pick. I can't believe it. The questions will remain with the Giants, obviously, with the offensive line and also the edge rushing, I think, are the two biggest questions to look at. Obviously, losing Zietler. Will Hernandez, he was good as a run blocker. Oh, they, God, they need him to be better as a pass blocker. He's good as a run blocker. the next big thing they said, man? Remember that? Mikey C. I remember. Said it. I, I didn't mind that pick. I wanted Braden Smith, though, at that time, who's played very well for the Indianapolis Colts and as a right tackle, especially. So, obviously, Hernandez needs to get get better and obviously Solder coming back too. He's going to have to start now because I don't think Matt Pert's quite ready yet to start. Andrew Thomas will be on the other side. So those will be the question marks. But like Errol was saying, Daniel Jones playing as well as he has is mm-hmm. somewhat encouraging for sure. Obviously, it's very early, so I'm not going to overreact, but it is encouraging. Three years and you're hearing stories that he hasn't dropped the ball yet in practice. He's throwing the ball very well. He's very accurate. He's throwing the long ball. We've seen what he could do inside and out of the pocket if he can hold on to the ball and not trip on his own feet. It's very encouraging when you hear what the press is saying. It's not the team. It's not the coaches. It's what the press has seen so far at practice. Daniel Jones has looked good. So if you're a Giant fan, you should be very excited with Danny Dimes and what he has done and what he's looked like so far early in OTAs. As far as I'm concerned with the Julio Jones saga, I do believe Julio Jones will have a new place to play probably within the next 24 to 48 hours. The two front runners to getting him is Tennessee and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle just signed their punter for $10 million a year, which is ridiculous. $10.6 million. I don't know how good he is. but he's, just... he's good, but no punter's worth $10 million. So I guess Seattle's might be out of the whole sweepstakes. That's of... amazing. They're going to be out of a Julio Jones sweepstakes. Julio they... Jones. My prediction now is he's going to Tennessee. Uh, yep. Ryan Tannehill has tried to restructure his contract. Yep, and A.J. Brown, uh, being that he's the big name. And A.J. Brown's the number one guy, even with Julio Jones there. He will be the number one guy. 
Julio will be number two. A.J. Brown has proven enough, being that he's still very, very young, and showing the last two seasons that he is the number one guy over there in Tennessee. He plays with heart. And, he, and if anybody hasn't seen the video uh, when Elijah Moore got drafted by the New York Jets, the thing that he said to Elijah Moore is, not only is he more talented, people are going to really get the chance to see how special he really is. Elijah Moore, he plays with not only with his heart on his sleeve, he plays with the talent. A.J. Brown has come out and said that he doesn't have anywhere close to the talent as Elijah Moore. So saying that is high praise of what Elijah Moore could be in this league in the future. So A.J. Brown is the number one guy, even with Julio Jones there. So they'll be a fun team to watch with the running game that they have and Derrick Henry and the offensive line that has played very well. Their weakness is really their defense. Now, they added some defensive players in the offseason that is going to make their defense a little bit better, but losing Corey Davis, the, one of the best red zone guys, they need to add and solidify the other side of the ball. So Julio Jones is definitely not a bad consolation prize, that's for sure. I think right now it's Tennessee's to lose at this point. I think the only other team that I think could try to step in possibly is Green Bay. I don't think him. he's going to Green Bay. Um, I think it's Tennessee or bust. He's going it's, to Tennessee. It's, it's June now. So now this is when the guys are supposed to be traded. Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, possibly. Zach Ertz we're uh, hearing say a lot. Zach yeah. Ertz is another one from the Eagles. He's going to Buffalo. Also, also Indianapolis. <laughs> also Indianapolis. I in Indianapolis. Put him back with Wentz, man. Let's run it back. Well, that Let's team go. is going to be dangerous. With Jonathan Taylor and those guys and Marlon Mack. If Carlson Wentz is anywhere close to the player that he was with Philadelphia when Wright was there, they're going to have a very good season. The wide receiving position is the only position that worries me. But their offensive line, Quentin Nelson, that's the best offensive line in football. The defensive line is one of the best in football. They have one of the best defensive minds in football. They're a well-oiled machine. Arguably the best linebacker with Leonard, too. He's fun to watch. And that would have been a Jet, too. That was the Jets draft. Right, that was right. For Sam Darnold. And now they traded Sam Darnold for a second-round pick. So hopefully they can add a big player for Sam Darnold. As far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, I do believe he'll be traded. I don't know if he's going to show up to mandatory OTAs. It's a week away. If he doesn't show up, I think Green Bay is going to play hardball with him and and they're going to force him to show up. I don't know what's going to happen, but all in all, I think they should start Jordan Love. If they're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers, move on from him now when you can get as much as you can get for him right now. You can get a lot for Aaron Rodgers. Just got off an MVP season. You're talking about still... One of the elite quarterbacks in the league. I still think he's the best quarterback in all of football, especially with that team. He has one great wide receiver. The rest are not even top 50. Aaron Rodgers can make a team. He could change a team for the best. I think he goes to the Broncos. I think the Broncos are favorite to win the Super Bowl. Well, they should be. The Broncos should do everything they can to get Aaron Rodgers because every seven, eight years, they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And they have a very good chance to get, arguably, still the best quarterback in all of football. I think that would be the perfect fit over there with the Broncos, with the weapons they have, the running game that they have. The offensive line, the defense coming back healthy in the secondary that they had in the offseason. They're ready to win now. So give up whatever you have to do when it comes to the draft and solidify your team for the next two or three years with the arguably the best quarterback in football, Josh. Well, isn't that what it comes down to with the Broncos? Don't they always get lucky with these quarterbacks, whether it's Peyton Manning and now possibly Aaron Rodgers? What about know? Timmy T? You forgot about Timmy T. No, he's a tight oh, end. Come on. Timbo got him into the second round of the playoffs. 
Yes, he did. He won a playoff game. He, right. I will give him that. He won more playoff games than Sam Donald did. Well, that's for sure. That. And he did a lot of playing <laughs> while he did it, too. <laughs> the Jets need a lot of that this year. This always falls back to John Elway and how just lucky he gets because he's such a bad drafter with quarterbacks. He's horrible. He's not even a GM anymore. Tim Tebow, Paxton Lynch. You want to keep going? It's a, you know, now Drew Locke is even What's wrong with Paxton Lynch? A lot of things. <laughs> it's about the first round pick on that guy. Terrible. Wonderful. He's sailing. We're going to get Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. then, hey, we're going to get lucky and get an Aaron Rodgers, and then we're going to win another Super Bowl. It's mm-hmm. great. Another two. And when Aaron Rodgers retires, who's the next? Okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to want out of Kansas City. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos, I think he could play another three, four years. But the weapons I think they have. play that on Green Bay. Uh, with the weapons that he has over there, the young talent, the speed, and the size that he has. Uh, Noah Font is there. He hasn't had a tight end that athletic and that good. I don't remember the last. He tried with Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Graham. I, well, no, I give credit to Jeremiah Finley. The problem with Finley was he just couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't shut Finley his mouth. He was that guy. He couldn't he stand couldn't Aaron Rodgers either. They both can't stand each other. Well, he was an obnoxious dude at times. Mm-hmm. But again, so was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is no saint. He disowned his family. Mm. So Not that. anymore. He started talking. Oh, how wonderful. He's back in the saddle. Well, he's engaged to a movie star now. No longer somebody that his mother hates. So now he's starting to talk to his family. His private life has nothing to do with any other fan. If he doesn't want to talk to his parents, that's his decision. We don't know the true story. It's not anybody's business. Stay out of his business. Worry about his game. And Welcome to media life. Yeah, well, Everybody is everything. I've been in the media for almost 10 years now. I know all about the media life. And to me, I just think that you need to leave the guy alone. The guy is still an elite player, an elite quarterback, a sensational player. And he is the reason why the Green Bay Packers are on top of the world every single year. And they're always one of the favorites to come out of the NFC. But they didn't put players around him in the offseason. You would think that he would bring in a free agent wide receiver that's going to help on the other side because Devontae Adams was double, triple teamed against Tampa at some points of the game. It wasn't fair. And, you, and then you expect him to make the, the open play and run in a touchdown. How are you going to think of to run in a touchdown when you've been beaten up the whole game and nobody can get open? And then the next guy besides Devontae Adams that you can remember the name is, he's probably the top 100th ranked wide receiver in the league. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. I feel bad for Aaron. So hopefully they oblige him. They trade him away to the Broncos. They build around their future, and that's Jordan Love, and they move on. Aaron Jones got a huge contract in the offseason. Terrible contract. I do believe the Green Bay Packers will regret that contract. Really quick, there is breaking news. Terry Stotts and the Blazers have agreed to part ways with each other. So. There you go. So you know what that means. There's a kid to the Blazers. And you know what that also means. Goodbye, Damian Lillard, even though they think that it's going to soften them. It's not. <laughs> Good luck with that. It's not. I think Damian Lillard is on his way out. So don't be surprised that in the offseason, before the draft, not just the Knicks, Miami will be a team that you're going to hear because they got money and they got Capram. The Clippers are another team if they can clear Capram. The Lakers, I don't know how. No, they're no. not getting them. The top three have been the Knicks, the Heat, and the Clippers. Yeah, Watch the Lakers are sneaking. The team that has the most money and the most draft stock and everything that they have, it's the Knicks. The the Knicks, if they want Dame time, they'll get him. Just don't throw away their future for one player who's 32 years old. You need to build, and you, you want to build a championship now. With the money that you have this offseason, you get Dame Lillard, and you get a guy like a Bradley Beal. You get Bradley Beal. You get Dame time, and you get you and, get Lillard and McCollum, and you get Randall. You have your one, two, three punch. Randall's your third. Bradley Beal's your second. And Dame Lillard is your first. That's a pretty dominant one, two, three. You punch. wouldn't want McCollum 
Nah, McCollum can't stay healthy. If Randall's the third option, he's going to give you 20, 22 points. He's going to give you the rebounds. He's going to give you the assist. He's not going to be the number one option guy anymore. So it'll take pressure off him. And you're probably going to have to trade either R.J. Barrett or Quigley or maybe even two of those guys. So it's going to be very, very interesting in the offseason. I'm very excited this offseason for the Knicks. I think there's going to be a lot of changes with this team. And what Tom Thibodeau proved that he can do, I'm intrigued what the future could lie for the New York Knicks in the very, very near future. When we come back, Speedy, what do we got? The Beat Wars. Here on the Weekend Crunch. Loving it. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Little J, Joshua, Flewboy, Homer, Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Go Islanders as The Islanders game is over. We reappear for you fans only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network, and go to our beautiful website. Yes, siree. All you got to do is check it out by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out our trivia game, The New York Minute, or you can look at Speedy's wonderful, interesting face. Well, I don't know about interesting. They could be uh, pimple-nosed eating face. What do you think, Speedy? My pimple nose. <laughs> Your pimple nose. He doesn't have a description about himself. And if you guys want to meet Speedy Petey, you can go to every single Walmart. He's got wonderful underwear that he is signing. The tidy whitey man himself. I think uh, he's in Terryville this week. In Terryville, that's, that's absolutely right. And it's, what do you call your tidy whities? The Speedster. I don't name stuff that doesn't exist. Yes, it's the Speedster tidy whities. So go meet Speedy Petey. He's signing autographs and taking pictures. So check that out. Guys, I am going to be DJing at the Brookhaven Amphitheater. What do you think about that? I mean, I haven't that's done cool. that. Yeah. That's awesome. Thousand people going to be there. I would love to be there, but I have weddings all weekend. That's right. It's the first concert in the Brookhaven Amphitheater for this year. And guess and who's going to be DJ? be a part of it? Oh, I'm the man. God Come bless on, man. You want me to dance around Once and, again, the and be the entertainer? Theater, you're doing God's work by being generous. You know what? I could smell you from over here, okay? I don't That's even have to nice. be in the same studio as you. I could smell you from over here. And it smells like dirty turd, okay? Fish turd. That's what it smells like. Anyway, Speedy, what do we got? Debate Wars. This is the Debate Hour. And now in this corner, your host, Errol Mark. Yay! And in this corner, who gives a sh? That's right. Who gives a crap? Anyways, Speedy, let's go. Alrighty, we're going to start with this. Fittingly, since he just retired, who is a better coach in their level of basketball? Greg Popovich or Coach K? Go ahead. Oh, would you stop? It's Coach K. Come on. The accolades that he's put out. Five national championships, three gold medals with Team USA. It's not even a debate. 1,100 wins he's going to get to. It's insane what he's done for his career. Coming from Army over to Duke, he's really solidified himself as arguably the greatest coach in college basketball history. At one time, everybody thought it was John Wooden. He has easily surpassed that. Even though Wooden did have a very impressive career, I'm going to go with Coach Gates. Now, Greg Popovich has had a great career. He won five championships, too, you know. Yes, he did. He has. He's had an unbelievable – he's one of the best NBA coaches to ever be a part of the NBA. Mm-hmm. And especially without getting any major superstars, he helped create superstars. Tim Duncan was them. a superstar, and Tim so was David Robinson. 
How about guys. David Robinson? Did he develop him? Well, he was already kind of already solidified when he got there. Dave Robinson was a superstar, and no, he, he was, got but, uh, He was already kind of solidified when he got there. That was when they got Tim Duncan that helped them put it over the top. Mm. Of I'm going to go with Coach K, though. Oh, it's Coach K. I'm not going to argue that. I'm a Duke fan. And Coach K, the sensational career, over 1,000 wins, almost 1,100 wins. He has got, I think, 800 more wins than losses. It's a sensational career. Five championships. Uh, how many Coach of the Year awards that he's won. I mean, it's sensational, sensational career. One of the greatest coaches in any sport, Coach K, it would be. That's for sure. All right. Better coach at one point coached the New York Rangers. Mike Keenan or John Tortorella? Mm. Keenan was there for one year. He won a championship. <laughs> he, the, he did win the Stanley Cup. Mm. I'll give it to Keenan. And the only reason why is because he did get the Rangers over the hump to win the Stanley Cup. Tortorella's had a sensational career. And he was good with the Rangers as a Ranger coach. He really was. He took very medium to lower tier talent offensive-wise and he turned him into a defensive juggernaut. Lundquist was already kind of solidifying himself at the time. But to me, Mike Keenan, what he did in that one year with the Rangers was incredible to get them over the hump. So I'll go with Mike Keenan. Oh, it's but I Torts. torts. I it, love Torts. It's absolutely Torts. Keenan wasn't there long enough. I talk about consistency. And when I've seen as a consistent coach, he won a championship with Tampa. He's a defensive-minded coach. Keenan was defensive-minded. But he had superstars. He had great players. Pretty much was put together by the GM and Smith. Just more talent around him to win a championship with Steve Larmer and all the players that they put to that team. Uh, it's definitely torts. Not even an argument or question. All right. Better pitcher, Andy Pettit or Jack Morris? Didn't Watch they make a movie on Jack Morris? The rookie? It wasn't he? No, that was Jim Morris. Jim Morris. Was they Jim Morris. Yeah. Jack Morris is the pitcher. I remember. The Tigers. Yeah. Listen, they're both good playoff pitchers. We know this. Andy Pettit was on a whole nother level, though. Jack Morris, I believe, he's in the Hall of Fame. I understand that. And I get that. He had a Hall of Fame career. It was great. Got it on his last try, albeit he still got in. But to me, Andy Pettit did it in a huge market. Now, Detroit is a big market, but not New York. And that's the difference to me. Won a, bu- a bunch of World Series with the Yankees. Was a part of the, the, the core four, as they say. So I'll go with Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit in the playoffs. Jack Morris in the regular season. Jack Morris oh, is Oh, easily. A- Jack Morris is a much better regular season. Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer. And yeah. you can't really take that away. Andy Pettit will probably never be a Hall of Famer. Jack Morris, what he did in the time that he did it. He was a sensational pitcher. Not a player that really got himself into trouble. People feared him when he got into the box. I'm going to go with Jack Morris, and I am an Andy Pettit fan. I'm a Yankee fan, so Jack Morris. All right, who is a better safety, Reggie Nelson or Sammy Knight? I like Reggie Nelson in this one. I think Reggie Nelson to me was a guy who was always all over the field. He was consistent to me. He actually played safety the proper way, not like today where Jamal Adams thinks he's a linebacker hybrid. Oh, God, please. So I'll go with Reggie Nelson in this one. I'm going to go with Reggie Nelson. Reggie Nelson was a mean safety. Yes, like they hit, he would wait until you catch the ball and you turn your body around and he just slash you. Uh, and he also hit you in the right way. He didn't he didn't go after your head. He wasn't head hunting. He'd go after your legs, go after your hips. And he, he always had great technique. So I'm going to go with uh, Nelson. I think when he retired, too, obviously he wasn't a better safety than a lot of the ones that played. I think he was the active leader in interceptions, too, yeah. when he retired. He was a hard hitter, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Better Pistons player, Richard Hamilton or Jerry Stackhouse? Oh, good one. That's a great one. I love Rip Hamilton, man. 
I mean, that dude was a huge part of that championship team that beat that Laker team. Jerry Stackhouse had a wonderful career. I think he's an assistant coach now. Mm -hmm. He had a very nice career. His injuries were an issue with him at times. So fun to watch, Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, he was great to watch. Hop and shot guy, too. North and he, Carolina. He, 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 I hated him on North Carolina. When he drove to the paint, dude, forget about it. But the I thing about North it is, dude, Rip Hamilton was so freaking good. With Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups. A lot of people, they always think of Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups. Those are, and Rasheed as well. They always forget about Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton was a huge part of that team. I'm going to go with Rip Hamilton. I'm going to go with the guy with the God-given talent. That's Jerry Stackhouse. Now, Rick Hamilton played with some great players. So did Jerry. But I, and to me, Jerry was on the Detroit Pistons when they were eh, rebuilding and trying to get there. Rick Hamilton, when he went to the team, that team was built with talent and, and Chauncey Billups and Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace. That was a built championship team. Jerry Stackhouse, now. Jerry, Jerry Stackhouse was just fun to watch. I, I hated him on North Carolina, like I was saying, because I'm a Duke fan, but sensational player, really. He just fought a lot of injury. If he actually stayed healthy, he could have been a Hall of Famer. So. I, think Rip ha I think Richard Hamilton went there, too. I think he went to North Carolina. Yeah, he did. Also, he did. All right. Better goaltender, Tomas Vokun or Nikolai Kabibulin? Oh, come on. It's not even a question. I'm going to go with Javi Bullen. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nikolai Javi Bullen was fun to watch, man. Flexible, and when you watch Javi Bullen, he reminds you of a Dominic Kashin. I'm glad you brought that up because my all-time favorite goalie is Dominic Kashin. No. Dominic Kashin had no style. That was one of, like, everybody says the butterfly. Dominic Kashin didn't have a style. He just flim-flopped his body all over the place. and he made. You the know same. what his nickname was? Flopper. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what his nickname was. He was the flopper. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know that. And, and, you know, the the most recent goalie that was probably like that, and the last one we'll see probably for a long time, was Tim Thomas, who was just a straight flopper, it, had no style. It took Kashuk a long time to develop into a great goaltender, by the way. It did, but that, and that's the thing. Because nowadays, like you said, you see the butterfly goalies, the hybrid goalies, all that stuff. There is no goalie that would get out of the paint like Javi Bolin would and challenge the shooters on a breakaway. And it would basically, he would try to empty the lane before they would even get near the net. So I'm going to go with Nikolai Javi Bolin. Oh, it's Javi Bolin. It's not even an argument. You pretty much said what I would have said. I, I think he, he really, you know, when you talk about the floppers, the goaltenders that like to flop, Javi Bullen was very well known for the flopping ability that he had, and he was very good on the breakaway. Just fun to watch, especially. He was so, he was so much fun to breakaway, dude. He would always try to poke check before they would even get. To oh, the he would do the so split funny. so much too. Unbelievable flexibility. So they it's don't Nikolai make hamstrings like they used to today, man. No. They don't make hamstrings like they used to. No. That's what I would say. I won't say that to your <laughs> wife. That's for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, better wide receiver, Eric Moulds or Marcus Colston? I'm going to go Eric Moulds in this one. Marcus Colston was good. He was a big part of the Saints with the Super Bowl and everything like that. But, dude, Eric Moulds was a beast on the Buffalo Bills. It's a shame he never really had a good quarterback really to play with. The numbers, and he was such a pain he has to watch when you're a Jet fan, man. Because he, he had the, tackle. the That was it. He was too big. Mm. He was so muscular, dude. He was a big body receiver, dude. It was ridiculous. You couldn't cover him. And he had the speed and the agility, but he also had the strength to push you off and even get away with the offensive pass interference every time. So to me, I would go there at Moulds. Oh, it's Colston. Uh, more consistent. Played a long, uh, long it's career. Close, I want uh, played for Hofstra. Obviously, uh, it's sentimental value. But for like four or five years, was a very good wide receiver. He's an all-star, a pro ball player. Seventh round pick, uh, I believe. He was he was fun to watch, and he was very consistent. He was consistent for a long time with Drew Brees, and Drew, he was Drew Brees' number one guy for many, many years. So I'm going to go with Marquez Colston. All right, let's see if this one is as heated as the last one of this theme. So 
the last one for today. Better defensive player at his position. This time it is Omar Vizquel or Andrew Jones. That's a good one. That's a great one. I couldn't stand Andrew Jones. <laughs> it's such a pain. He hit. did steroids too. Oh, absolutely he did. Go look at him when he was 19 with the Braves or when he was 26. He was fat with his the Yankees. Dude, his head got too big for his body. It was ridiculous. Well, you don't do steroids and your head's too big for your body. <laughs> I will say this. But nothing in there. Nothing in that brain of yours. I'll go with Andre Jones only because <laughs> he had the numbers to back up the offensive skill set. The scout didn't have the offensive numbers. Now, I don't know if he's going against the Hall of Fame now with his domestic abuse stuff. This scout, I think this is going to hurt him. Andre Jones was the king. When he got a fly ball to him, he would always just put a hand behind his back and just catch him with one hand. He was the king of doing that. What and are you the king of? Not. It drove me nuts. Wiping your butt? Are you the king of that? He might have been wiping his ass probably. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. What are you No, I can't do that. That would be very Wiping your dog's ass? Kissing your dog on the lips? I don't have to wipe her butt. She's pretty good at just pooping and it just all comes out. There's nothing hanging out afterwards. Well, that's disgusting. Thank you for making me sick to my stomach. His dog licks uh, his ass, so there's that. Thank you for that information on (laughs) FM radio. I'll go with Andrew Jones again because he had the offensive skill set to back it up. Granted, he did do steroids. They both had character issues. One did steroids. The other one did domestic abuse. So, you know, I guess you over the domestic abuse. It's Omar Vizquel. Unbelievable defensive player. Best shortstop of all time. Arguably defensively. Him and Ozzie Smith. Very good defensive players. Mm-hmm. But Omar Vizquel did it consistently for a very long time. And over 20 years in baseball, played for a ton of teams. Wasn't the hitter that everybody thought he was going to be, but still a consistent hitter. I think he was a career 270 hitter, uh, which is not bad. It's Omar Vizquel. Andrew Jones, very good player, very gritty player, power hitter. Hit 50 homers in a season. It was very good defensively. But the steroids would wash that away. So. Omar Vizquel. I forgot about that debate. That was a good one with you guys, too. Omar Vizquel versus Ozzy Smith a while ago. That mm-hmm. was a good one, too. I took Ozzy. Yes, you did. I yeah, I took Vizquel in Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, well, that's why you're stupid and I'm smart. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let's have an IQ test at some point and see what happens. Ooh, I like this. I, my vocabulary will be a little bit off, but everything else. Oh, uh, that's going to be a part of it. Sorry. Right. You know what we should do? We should my vocabulary is not that bad, by the way. We'll deal with the NFL. My vocabulary is not that oh, bad. Oh, the Wonderlick test? Yeah, do one of those. <laughs> I'll, I'll beat you in the Wonderlick test because uh, I know how to lick people. You don't. See what I mean? You don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one you're the wonder piss i'm the wonder lick <laughs> are you crossing your legs like a woman no actually i'm just having my knee up hmm, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back ladies and gentlemen speedy what do we got for the last part of the show crunch time here on the weekend crunch what the final segment of the show, and I'm here. Yes, I'm always here. As long as I don't have to look at Josh all the time, but that's great. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Little J, or Homer Silverberg. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the world. Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. Josh, we're all the way at the end. <laughs> That's my cry. Finally, we got Josh back, and it's almost over. 
It's so sad, Josh. Trust me, I say the same thing when I come on here again. I do God's work, ladies and gentlemen, oh, working with this God's world. work. I mean, look at you, man. I mean, God just didn't have a lot of work on you. That's for sure. You know. Don't bless me. God loves me. He tells me or she tells me whatever it is every single oh, yeah. day. It talks and I'm to you? blessed to be alive every day to breathe and be healthy. Does he talk to you? Does he really talk to you? Because I want to talk to him. What does he what? say to you? I always pray. Why? What, what do you want to say? You just said God talks to you every morning. Yeah, because I pray. No, I no. Pray. You just said he talks to you. You didn't say you prayed. Always Spe- oh, dude. Speedy, they didn't they you not say that God talks to him? Yeah, you did. Uh, you yeah, see, God talks to me too. What do you want to say? I'm so, okay, so how do I meet him? Can I, can I speak to him? Uh, it's a phone number. It's at 631. Oh, God, uh, kiss please. my ass. Oh, well. <laughs> well. That's not nice. You're talking to God. You're saying kiss my ass? Damn you. Uh, you're a true Adam Sandler hater. Anyways, as you guys know, we do this every single Saturday. Speedy, crunch time. It's time for crunch time. Buy or sell that Josh is an idiot. I'll buy that one. Okay, let's go. All right, buy or sell. Duke will make it to the at least elite eight in Coach K's final year. I have to see what their recruiting class is. is top it, five. It, it's top five, then yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. The only thing is, I feel like ever since they've gotten these top recruiting classes, they didn't haven't really lived up to it as Just much. Just last year. Well, no, even with the Zion one, they should have won a national championship with Zion and Barrett. You can't really predict those things. You really No, can't. I know. But they that, lost that's a one-point game I, to I, a very good that, Michigan State team. That's why, for now, I, I'm going to sell it because I don't know how things play out with injuries, how things happen in the tournament. Things get weird. Lower seeds upset, so I'll sell it for now. I'm going to buy it. I, I think they get to the Elite Eight, I, maybe the Final Four. We'll see what happens. But I think that this is the final year for Coach K. I think they're going to want to go out with a bang. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear some of these recruits that already have chosen their schools to decide to go and play for Duke because it's Coach K's last year. So don't be surprised if you see maybe other recruits decide to go and play for Duke for one year. So I am going to buy it. Buy or sell. Jacob DeGrom's ERA will remain under one at the end of the month of June. It's very tough to do that. I'm going to sell that. I think that's extremely tough to do. Uh, There's no way. I think in one of or two of his starts, he'll give up two runs or three runs. I mean, look, it'll be extremely impressive if that happens, but that's tough. That's a tough ask. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy it. I, I think in the month of June, I think he will. I think he. this will be the first time any pitcher has done it for a full month. And why not Jacob DeGrom? I think he's proven to everybody why he's special. I think he's one of the most talented pitchers. First of all, I would say he's a top five, top six pitcher I've seen in my time. In, in the 39 years that I've watched baseball, Jacob DeGrom is my to- in my top six. I mean... He's been sensational. For the last four years, who's been better than him? Garrett Cole, maybe just as good, maybe, somewhat. I, I wouldn't even say that, so I'm going to buy it. All right, buy or sell. The Devils in the draft lottery ended up with the number four pick. Maybe Uh-oh. maybe a good shot to get Jack Hughes' brother. Buy or sell. Oh. Luke Hughes will be a New Jersey Devil. That would be such a reach if they do that. And they I feel like they're going be better. They're, they're, he's a good player, but he's not top four. And if they, I feel like if he, they do do it, it's to make Jack happy. I've even heard that they might even be interested in the Swedish goalie, possibly going fourth overall. That's the thing that's going around. We'll see. Luke Hughes is going to go top ten. We know this. He's a very good player. He's not top five worthy. So I, I'm going to sell that. I'd be shocked if they did that. Well, I don't know if he's Jack. Uh, some people thought he was going to be better than Jack and Quinn. But look how good Quinn has been uh, as a defenseman. With well, that's the thing. He's a defensive player. So it's... And Jack is special, too. 
Could you imagine having three sons that could play as well as they do? A wonderful gene. Uh, unbelievable gene. And their father was never an NHL player, so figure that one out. <laughs> a lot of coaching, that's for sure. I'm going to buy it. I-, I think it could happen. I think they're going to try to satisfy Jack. You want Jack to stay happy, and you want him to stay there longer when he becomes a free agent, so I am going to buy it. From the current New Jersey team to the former New Jersey team, buy or sell, the Nets versus Bucks series will go seven games. I'm going to buy it. I think the Nets still win it, but I'm going to buy it. I think this will be the toughest task. The thing is the Bucks are very good defensively, and they have the size advantage too with Lopez and Giannis. Adding P.K. Tucker was a huge get. Drew Holiday has really solidified himself as the point guard for this team. So to me, I'll buy it. I still have the Nets winning the series. I will buy that it will go seven games. I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to call in an upset. I say go six. I think the Bucks win, and it's six. I think the Whoa, Jeff- you did the Nets are going to survive seven games, and the Bucks will win game one. And I think Drew, I can see that. I think Drew Holiday is the guy. I really do. I think adding him in the offseason really gives you that depth that you need. And Tucker is going to help you on the perimeter, especially against Kyrie Irving, especially when he gets hot. Because you could put him, you could stick him out on the perimeter. He was teammates with James Harden in Houston. Yeah. He knows how his, uh, no, he knows how it works. Absolutely, they're best friends. So I'm going to sell that. I think. The Bucks win in six, and I think it's an upset. It's funny. I have the other way around. I think the Nets win in six, but if it goes seven, I think Milwaukee wins. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. Buy or sell? Julio Jones will be traded somewhere else other than the Titans or Seahawks. Sell. So, so no, it's easy. I'm going to sell he's, it. He's going to the Titans. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, that's where it is. It's not even a question. Ryan I mean, Tannehill uh, opening up his pockets and, and pretty yeah. much taking last. Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill taking their options and moving it to their bonus money mm-hmm. is the reason why it's going to happen. All right, buy or sell. The Jets will still beat the Canadians even with Mark Shifley suspended four games. Sell. Canadians are up 2 nothing. They're going back to the Bell Center. Gary Price is playing on another level. It would be really fascinating. I don't think it's going to happen. If we got a Bruins-Canadian Stanley Cup, I mean, that would be something to talk about. I mean, that would be hysterical. It's not going to happen. I don't think it will, but as a hockey fan... I think that would be something that would be very they got They got a hot goalie that's healthy right now. And Carey Price, uh, nobody takes away how special he is. Carey Price is one of the best goalies in the NHL, one of the best goalies of our era. So uh, when he's healthy, he's, he's he as good I, as anybody. The only reason why I called him overrated a couple weeks ago was because of the contract that he got, which was near $10 million. And is I'm always under the assumption that when you give a goalie that much money, it doesn't always bode well because it's tough to then build the players around you when it's just a goalie. When healthy, I think he's the best goalie in the league. Would you trade Sorokin for Carey Price? No. Because of the age difference. No, Carey Price is like 33, 34. Do I think Carey Price is better than Sorokin? Yes. I think Carey Price right now is the best goalie in the playoffs. When healthy like this, he's the best goalie. He's playing unbelievable hockey. I'm going to tell you this right now. The way he's playing, I don't think anybody's beating Montreal. That's how good he is. Winnipeg's a good offensive team. Colorado will beat them. I don't know Colorado about that. would completely overwhelm He them. just shut out one of the best offensive teams in the NHL this year. That's fine, but Colorado is way better than Winnipeg is. Mm. No Colorado's a juggernaut. That would be a monumental it, upset if somehow that happens. Clearly, Colorado is the perfect in their top five in power play, penalty kill. All right, buy or sell. Brad Stevens will coach again in the NBA. Sell. I think he's going to coach in college before that. Sell it. I think he's going to go back to college. He'll be a GM for three years. He'll lose his job. I don't think this team's going to be any good. I think eventually they'll probably trade a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum, and that will be the end of Danny Ainge's secluded craziness. So there you go. All right, buy or sell. These guys are all tied with 17 home runs right now. 
If healthy, all three of Acuna, Tatis, and Vlad Jr. will hit 45 or more home runs. Uh, didn't I tell you Vlad Jr.? Yes, you did. did. I tell you? Mm-hmm. If healthy, yeah, I'll buy it. Why not? I'm actually thrilled because I have Vlad on my fantasy team. It's a wonderful thing to have. And Acuna got picked one pick before me. I, I actually was going to take Acuna. I took Mike Trout instead, but it's okay. I'll reap the benefits when Trout gets back when he's healthy, so it's all good. I'm going to uh, sell it. I don't think they're all going to stay healthy. Of course. I don't think they will either. I think Tatis is going to get hurt Vlad again. Vlad Jr. will be the MVP of the American League. Yes, he will, and as he should. If they're healthy, that's the key question, right, Speedy? If they're healthy, you yes, said? if they're so healthy. So I'll buy it if they're healthy. If they're, and no, Speedy, who did I pick in the National League? Acuna. That's right. Uh-huh. And two the two players that are right now favorites in both leagues. Yep. So there you go. All right. Buy or sell. Josh was talking about the NL East players going to, to their rivals. So does the NFC. Ryan Kerrigan signs with the rival Eagles. Buy or sell. Ryan Kerrigan will have two or more sacks in the two games against Washington this year. Sell. He's not what he once was. He's still a nice two player, sacks. but he just doesn't. He's not what he once was. It's two That's sacks. Just, he was a really they good both player. stink. I'm going to buy it. I, I think Kerrigan could still play. The Washington football team, their left side is very strong. Their right side is very weak. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes. So I'm going to buy it. All right. One more. Buy or sell. The Bruins Islanders series will have at least one more overtime game. Buy. Buy it. Definitely going to buy that. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a buy. This game, I mean, this series is so close. The Islanders have the better defense and the better goaltending. I think the Bruins have the much better offense. And you could see that in the game. Coaching. Barry Trotz. That's why I thought the Islanders have the edge in this series because of the coaching. But you give up bad goals like Volombov, I mean, they're not going to win them. So that's it. Yep. And I win again. Just I don't understand how you won. We agreed on like 98% of the arguments. Uh, that's why I win. That's why I win. <laughs> we also I think we only disagreed on like, I think, one. What was the one we disagreed on? I don't even remember one we disagreed on. The Duke one. It was literally the Duke one. No, I picked Coach K. No, no, Josh sold it, though. No, I sold that. That they I, I weren't making that. the Elite I, The only reason why is because I don't know because of injuries and how the tournament plays out. That's why I don't know. Oh, It's tough to predict something like that. Remember I, remember I say this, too. You're going to see players that have chosen their schools that are going to re-choose where they want to go, and they're going to go to Duke because this is the last time you're going to have the opportunity to be coached to uh, by one of the greatest coaches in sports history. And you will not see Coach K come back. I was reading something that Coach K will retire for a couple of years and then I'll come back and want to come back. He's 70-something years old. He's not coming back. No. And why would he do that when he just came from one of the greatest collegiate schools in sports history? And to me, having one of the greatest runs. So it doesn't make sense. Anyways. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. It was a great show. Josh was back and really giving us the flu bug, if you know what I mean. Hopefully, he just gets better and better and better, and then maybe we'll smack him around a couple of times. Or maybe one of the fans... I don't want to be touched, so I'm good. Maybe one of the fans can actually come into the studios, and we'll give you the option to come to the studios and smack the great Joshua Silverberg around. And, And maybe we'll play darts, and we'll put a dartboard on his face. What do you guys think about that? That would be funny. What do you think? I mean, I think your face would have the bigger target because you definitely got the bigger honker. So. Yeah, I do, but uh, your face would be the easier. My one nose isn't that big, Bo. I, I, I know. What you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean when you say my nose is a little bit bigger than yours, but uh, and it's not that much bigger than yours. Uh, and as, as far as I'm concerned, you have the bigger head because you got nothing in it. Which is there. weird because I have a bigger head, but I have a very small hat size. The reason why you have a small hat size is because the top of your head has nothing there. I don't think it's more of a normal size looking thing. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, those ears are pretty big, too, by the way. You got those. Thanks. Big ears. Appreciate it, man. Well, I, uh, could you fly like Dumbo? 
Could, could you? I wish. That'd be awesome. I get to where I need to go faster. Oh, I definitely. And you'd be a great cartoon character. You really look like awesome. a Awesome. I'd make a lot of money flying around. I don't know about making a lot of money. I mean, seriously. Looking at you and flying would just scare people away, including and birds. And I always will say this, and I harp back on it. You, my friend, have the face for radio. I do. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. So no problem. It's a great thing, and, and my face is just that sexy enough for uh, Josh to give me a Only speaking for face. yourself. Yeah, well, I didn't speak for myself. You just said it. No, Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everybody enjoyed it. All the Islander fans, don't worry. We're back, and we're going to keep on winning. So keep that in your mind because we're going to the Stanley Cupper. And if we don't, we're going to beat the hell out of Josh. So everybody. It ain't my fault if you're not winning it. Yeah, well, it's not your (laughs) fault that the Rangers stink either, right? The Rangers do stink. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, will the beating up of Josh happen before your alleged choking of Barry Trotz for putting in Varlamov? Yeah, seriously. What did I say to him the other night? I think I should start getting the money ready. You should. You should. You got me sick to my stomach, by the way. Anyways, that's it for our show. We'll be back next week. Until then, this is Errol Marks, Joshua Silverberg, and Tidy Whitey Man Speedy Petey saying goodnight, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.